Hello Philorians! Today we're looking at 310, the art of the deal. I'm a fucking magician. And magic comes from pain. Trying to tell you, you are not alone here. You love magic. Is it in your soul? Want me to come to Philorians? Really? Send you epic quest. It's just a promise, motherfucker. Hello, Elliot! How are you? Good, how are you? Good, it's been a long time we haven't talked. I know, right? What's up with that? It's like our, it's like our po other podcast is on ITIS. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so today we're talking about optimism for the, this episode. And I was wondering if you had a story about that. Um, several. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my life, number one. No. Um, <laughs> uh, mostly it's just, uh, for me, optimism has kind of been uh, hard to come by at some points, um, which I mean, kind of same with the episode. So mm -hmm. I, I totally get it. Um, but I mean, there's times, you know, when, you know, like right now I'm actually uh, looking for a new job, but um, and optimism is kind of keeping me going with that. So it's, it's a never ending, a never ending uh, cycle really with that. It's, it's a lot better than it was. Um, okay. cause I mean, before, you know, I would apply to certain stuff and I wouldn't hear anything. And now I've kind of looked at, uh, actually potentially moving. Um, and I've gotten responses from places that are not even in the same state. So, oh wow. yeah. So that's kind of an interesting perspective on things. Well, I like that because it shows that, yes, you can have optimism of, like, you want to keep to have your, your career and what you do, but sometimes it means moving and doing stuff that you don't want to. And I think uh, this the episode we're going to talk is a lot about that. And how, like, you decided to have optimism for your career, which means you had to do our decisions such as maybe moving. Yeah, and I mean, it's not it's not exactly an easy decision to make because I mean, picking up everything that you have and just kind of relocating, um, even if you do know people there, is not an easy thing to do. <laughs> no, and I can understand. I told my husband to leave his country for me. Well, I didn't told him; he shows it. But still, <laughs> <laughs> I saw him struggle for the first year of like, okay, well, am I within this new place and. Um, getting new friends and finding like just being in a new city so scary yeah it's it's an adjustment for sure yeah so uh before we continue and talk in depth to the about the 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 season when the season blah the the episode my god i'm gonna get it uh it's time for a 30 second recap do you want to start do you want me to start oh gosh um <laughs> I, all right all right you you start and i'll see how how good i can do here okay so go. uh they are there's fairies and uh julia's like i must save them and Fanny's like yeah okay but only if i can get mad and julia's like okay and uh they go get the fairy queen and and uh the fairy queen discovered that there's other fairies and she's like what um in the meantime elliot and margo are weirdly like yeah we're still king queen we don't care what people said and uh clinton and alice are, are fighting and just discovered that his uh ex just died um and that's about it yeah <laughs> that was the less comprehensive like 
You have to watch the, the episode to know what I'm talking about. Yeah, definitely one of those you had to be here moments. All right. <laughs> Ready? Go. Okay, so there's these crazy fairies, and they didn't know that Earth fairies existed, and Julia's all, we gotta save this thing. And so Fen is like, well, no. And she's like, well, you have to help me. So then they convince the, the fairy queen to help them out. Q and Alice are doing their typical on again, off again, on again, but they're off again right now, or are they on again? And then Josh is having some issues, and Elliot and Margo are all like, we're still rulers, but, you know, I don't know, maybe. So they're fighting for things, and then they're trying to find keys, and... They're still on this crazy quest. Yeah, it was good. You kind of filled what I didn't say. <laughs> Just combine the two. We might have a good synopsis between the two. Of them. <laughs> exactly. It's starting at, at season three or season four that they have their weird uh, synopsis. I think it's season four that they're starting to have those like cryptic synopsis that you're like, what the fudge? Yeah. Like, Margot eats a sandwich. Okay. <laughs> To be fair, they kind of they kind of threw some of that stuff in uh, towards the beginning too. Yeah, I think I think season season one they were just like, all right, let's play it safe. Season two yeah. they were like, let's get a little weird. Season three was maybe we can start experimenting with this, and season four was just like, Margo eats a sandwich. Yeah, and like <laughs> it it makes no sense, and then you watch it and you're like, I get this and upset, but what? <laughs> <laughs> like all right that was that was 45 seconds of the episode why why is that the, the exactly um so who do you want to talk about first because that we have like four three separate plots in this uh, episode we have penny that i didn't talk about at all oh yeah him and his yeah. uh, his underworld yeah. issues yeah uh, we have um alice oh we have four in fact we have penny we have alice and quentin we have Margo and Elliot, and we have Finn and Julia. So which one do you want to talk? All right. Uh, well, I mean, I think we could start with um, Quentin and Alice, because they kind of work their way kind of almost into everybody else's story, too. Yeah, it started the, the episode with them uh, bickering, and Alice saying, uh, you trust uh, more an heroin addict than you trust me, because Katie just got the fifth key and they, they are not able to reach her. Which, yeah. fuck you, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Alice Alice definitely has her issues um, in this one. Just trying to... She's definitely looking for that center of attention. Uh, you know, wanting the relationship to be on again uh, mentality. But I think, uh, I think Quentin is a little bit distracted by his ongoing quest at the moment. Well, that's the thing. Like, she, she gets super mad that he's asking, like, where, like, um, what do you want to do with the book? But, like, she, I understand that she's mad at him, but she has no right to be that mad at him. Yeah, I mean, like, I get that, I guess, she wants to feel involved, too, because she's kind of been pushed to the side a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, just kind of playing devil's advocate on that one. But at the same time, she definitely, I think, goes about it kind of the wrong way. Yeah, I think she's using, like, using a friend's or a, a person weakness against them to make your point is slow. Like, I don't think normally Alice will abuse Katie's addiction. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think, you know, rationally that uh, Alice would go about the things the way that she did in this episode either, you know, kind of using, playing the relationship card a little bit, um, using Katie's kind of weakness against her kind of thing. And I, I think she was just not 
in the best like mental state in this episode perhaps just because she had so much going on i think uh, the all season alice is not really there <laughs> <Is not> really... <laughs> she needs a hug um uh, yeah <laughs> And like I, like the thing is, uh, later in the episode, Alice will be will tell you, why don't you ask me what you want to say? But he's asking it from the beginning because one of the questions he asks is, are you with us? Do you want magic now? Like, can I trust you? And the fact that she's not answering make him not being hopeful or like have the optimism of her being on their good side. Meanwhile, he was ready to give it to Katie because Katie proved that she was worth worthy of like okay, I'm going to trust you even if it means like uh, give it, you're an heroin addict and you might not be as reliable as we want to. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Katie's kind of addiction thing is kind of like almost a second consideration to some of this. Because mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like interfering with her, her quest abilities at the moment. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, she's kind of proven that she's involved in the quest. She's 100% invested just, just like Quentin is, you mm-hmm. know, and wanting to see this come to fruition. And so I think kind of overall, that's kind of why Quentin maybe trusted her with that is just knowing that, you know, she was on the same page that he was on that same level. Yeah, that's why it's kind of surprising that like he had the leap of, leap of fate of giving Alice the book when uh, Julia arrived and Alice like, just give me the fucking book. And he does. And I think it's our like surprise that he gave it to her and not out of fate. Yeah. I mean, I think it was just kind of one of those things of, okay, if it'll, if it'll shut you up, you can have the book for 30 seconds, you know, figure it out. Yeah. Like a kid, like, okay, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I need to focus on this now. So, you know, here, maybe keep yourself occupied in the corner with this little book and we'll go from there. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, they are um, they are on the boat with Margot, Margot and Elliot. Margot and Elliot. And I want to shout out Josh, who just scream, I'm on a flying boat. Yes. He's so happy. <laughs> like, especially after, like, the, the, the episode before was uh, all that Josh where he felt left out. Mm-hmm. Now, like, I think, I feel, I feel in this episode they brought him in just because, like, of last episode but he was not really useful until the end yeah i mean you know i think uh somewhere down you know with the previous episode and all that i think somehow they maybe got an inkling that um they might need him more than they thought Mm. um and so you know kind of going along that uh maybe he knows something that we don't kind of mentality Um, like bringing your little brother because he might be a good, uh, uh, the last player you need in your baseball team. Yeah, you know. <laughs> he may not be able to hit a home run, but he can at least hit it far enough for somebody else to do it. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, like, is hypeness of, like, oh, my God, I'm on the boat and we're going to do a quest. And everyone's like, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> but the thing is, like, he didn't have to do all the sacrifice that they had to because he basically hid in the key for a, a, a lot. So I think for him, the idea of the quest is still this like, oh my God, we're going to save magic, you know? Yeah, I think it's I think it's still one of those, um, you know, fantastical kind of things in his world. You know, he wants to be, he wants to be the hero, you know? Mm-hmm. And he wants to be the big guy on campus that ends up, you know, saving the day in the end. But he, I don't even think he himself is 100% sure that he's able to do that. 
Yeah, because um, like after that they are they going they are in the West Fire, and Josh is trying just to like do small talk and joke about Alice and Quentin's relationship. Yeah. And it's so awkward. I want to hide in my pillow. <laughs> it it's definitely has its very awkward moments for sure. Like, it looks like he's trying too hard at some point. Like, please accept me. I want to be your friend, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I think um, even throughout some of the other uh, seasons and stuff, you know, like you look at like, uh, for instance, like Todd in uh, season one, mm-hmm. you know, he, he wants that, that acceptance so much from like Margot and Elliot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just kind of an ongoing theme of like the guy who's kind of off to the side just really wants to be like part of the group and like included in the quest and whatever's going on. Yeah, and that's the thing is like, but the moment like reality come back to him and he learn about what happened to Victoria, he's like, fuck this. Like he goes from like 100 to zero within second. And then Alice and Alice and Quentin get mad at him for going to his coping mechanism. Like, that's not fair. Yeah, I mean, the way that he just kind of jumped out of everything was was a bit a bit much. Because um, I mean, if you're in it, then you know you're either in it or you're not, kind of thing. It's like, do you want to see it till the end, or you know, was it just to benefit you, kind of thing? So I kind of understand their anger in that point. I, I I do too, but I feel it's not fair for them to for them to be mad at him to be sad about Victoria. Like they've known for like weeks, and he just learned, and they're they're like get over it. Like it, it's someone he loved. Yeah, but I mean, I think too at the same point they may um, be questioning that relationship as well because it's like with how he's kind of half involved in everything else. You know, you kind of wonder how invested in that he was because you know he kind of used that as like an escape mechanism sometimes Mm -hmm. so you know you kind of almost have to wonder like i agree there's a different way that they probably could have gone about it but at the same time it's like they probably were also questioning okay how deep were you really into it Mm. yeah okay i understand that point of view of like wow like once one set back and you're like going back to smoking weed or whatever he was smoking. <laughs> the variety. Probably not weed if you can see other dimension. <laughs> well, I mean, it is fillery, so I mean, anything's possible. <laughs> uh, that's what I had about them, really. It's not a big episode on uh, Julia and uh, Quentin. It's really like their relationship being tested and them acknowledging that they don't trust each other anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think... That was one of the key components in realizing that maybe this relationship is not going to work. Just not having that key component in any of it. Yeah, like, and we know that Quentin is someone with a lot of hope and optimism. So for him to say, like, I don't trust you is big. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, it's 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 been bits and pieces kind of in the making. Because, um, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody has their breaking point. And I think it just, you know, there's this thing, you know, like magic and stuff like that. That was the thing that helped him so much. And, you know, the kind of the thing that brought him, quote unquote, back to normal, you know, and he's investing everything he's got into this quest to potentially help save it, you know, and Alice is all just over there. Well, what about me? What about me? What about me? 
And mm-hmm. Quentin's like, there's a bigger picture here. Like, you need to realize that. You know? And oh, I like that you see that because uh, we're going to talk about it later, but AB says the exact thing, that exact thing to, to Penny. Yeah. Saying, like, okay, you can look at your, at your little self, but if you look bigger picture, there's more to it. Yeah. Um, since we talked about them, let's go with Margot and Elliot. Who refuse to acknowledge that being overthrown means they don't have their throne anymore. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was wondering, if, is it like fake optimism? Like, oh, no, we're going to get it back. Or they're just in denial. But the more the episode was going, the more understood. Like, they are in big denial here. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'd like to say that we can chalk this up to optimism. But at this point, I don't think we can. Um. No. <laughs> Just because no. I'd like to give some of my favorite characters the benefit of a doubt. Um. Uh, me too, but I mean, <laughs> s- like, sometimes they do fucking shit up, and that's the beauty of the show, is they're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Exactly. You know? and, and, and but it's real. Exactly. And that's the thing, like, their cockiness is kind of show their insecurity, because Margot and Elliot do not know their place if they're not king and queen of fairy because that's what they were after break bills. Yeah. So that is the same thing as like, oh, you had this dream job and now you're ha- you're in it and you're fired and you're like, okay, but what am I now? Yeah, and I mean, they attached like so much. I mean, Margot had kind of a different um, grasp on the whole ruling fillery thing. I mean, she definitely took to it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Elliot was kind of really hesitant at first, you know, am I going to be good at this? Am I really what these people need? Um, And, you know, but he kind of built himself up to it. So, I mean, I think in the sense with, you know, the two of them even coming at that from a different dynamic, you know, you have Margot who's like, well, this is what I was born to do. So you're not going to take it away from me that easily. And you have Elliot of, okay, I worked really hard to prove to you guys and to prove to myself that this is where I belong you know, and not wanting to let that go, that that accomplishment that he had, you know, not wanting to just let it go without without a fight or something. Oh, I, I like that, the, this idea of them basically fighting for what they want and is really like fake it till you make it. Because even uh, when uh, they they ask, uh, they, like um, Idri and the Stone Queen is there, um, they both are like, why are we here? We can invade you. You're not rulers. And they're like, uh, just wait on us. Like, <laughs> that is cockiness, but I like this idea to see it more as, uh, like, like you said, not going down without a fight. Yeah. But then Margot come with the plan of um, offering them magic, which means that she had a shit ton of hope for their quest to work. Yeah, I mean, I think that was probably a combination of uh, her resilience in that point of, you know, not wanting to admit that failure was an option. Mm. Um, And at the same time, a little bit of her cockiness kind of coming through going, you know, this is going to work. Just watch me. (laughs) Yep. Uh, What I was wondering, though, is um, we know... Uh, post episode five that Elias has changed like he had mature and he has this whole other life and this looked more like 
Elliot Primozage mm-hmm. acting than like someone who had a lifetime of experience and know. I'm kind of like weirded out with Elliot in this episode. Yeah, I mean, I think um, a lot of stuff with with Elliot in this episode, I think a lot of it is just his whole world has kind of been turned upside down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's still kind of trying to make sense of things. Um, you know, post, post-Mosaic, he's, you know, he gets this understanding or whatever, but then, you know, he comes back to this point and it's like, okay, you've been dethroned. And he's like, that was, you know, everything that he had known up to that point. You know, there was there was break bills and there was fillery, then there was ruling fillery, and then now he's like, I have none of that. What what do I do? Yeah, because even like in the mosaic, he has his place in with with Quinton in in the shack. Meanwhile, there, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I mean, I think he's one of those people too. Um, and I mean, this is highly relatable. I'm not speaking from experience at all. Um. But, you know, you get to this point to where, you know, okay, he was at Breakbills. He knew Breakbills. He became, like, the king of the school, and everybody looked up to him, and it's, oh, my God, it's Elliot. It's, you know, this grand person, and then he gets to Fillory, and he finds out, okay, he's he's royalty. And he's like, okay, well, I guess this is what I do now. I'm, I'm a king. I'm a ruler. And, you know, he dives into this, like, wholeheartedly and just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, finds his way that makes sense to him um, and kind of builds builds little aspects of his life on top of that. Mm-hmm. And when you get it, like, essentially the rug pulled out from underneath you, you essentially go back to square one of, like, yeah. what do I do now? Is mm-hmm. this really, like, where I belong? Should I be here? Should I fight for this? Should I? And you're stuck at this, like, unlimited amount of crossroads and you get to choose one. <laughs> Yeah, basically. And it's funny because um, you made me re- realize that um, I always felt weird about, like, oh, Elliot has this whole life with with Quentin. And then, like, five episodes later, he's making out with Idri. But now that we know, oh, your cat, hi, cat. <laughs> um, but, like, in the now we know with season four that he rejected Quentin. Mm-hmm. And him trying to bomb Idri, I think, was how he griefed that decision. Yeah, and I mean, you know, without bringing too much of season four into this, because uh, a lot of things, especially, you know, a lot of the things that you questioned in uh, in season three kind of get resolved in uh, season four, I do believe. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for instance, the stuff with Quentin. Um but yeah, it's it's kind of interesting looking at it from both a perspective of, um, you know, not knowing what happens in season four um, and getting that perspective of, you know, he's just trying to do the best that he can and he doesn't understand at this point. Um, and then realizing, you know, even as we venture into season four, you kind of start to piece together, okay, this is why these decisions were made. This is where he's at mentally. This is what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gives you a little bit little bit better of a retrospective understanding at that point. Yeah, that's, that's what I find hard with recapping season three is in almost all the episodes right now, I've talked about season four because <laughs> it has such an impact on it but like that I kind of have to link it because we cannot talk about 
Elliot trying to bone Idri without knowing that Quentin, he rejected Quentin. Yeah. And I mean, I think even too, it's like, as, you know, as you're watching um, season three, you know, the way that these, these actors and stuff are, they do throw their own nuances into a lot of it. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, you can tell, you know, even like with this episode, the way that like Elliot, for instance, is acting, you know, that something internally has kind of snapped, you know, something is up, you know, mm. we don't, we don't exactly know what it is. Cause we don't have insight to that when you're just watching season three, um, you get insight to that in season four. And that's just because, you know, they make Elliot look back on that point and be like, what happened? Why, why is this so detrimental to you? Mm-hmm. Um, but going into it from just the approach of season three, you can definitely tell, you know, between, you know, three, five, and and now that there's been a, a definite shift, you know, not only just with Elliot, but with uh, several of the other characters as well. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's what I have for them. Uh, did you add anything more to say about Elliot and Margo? Um, I mean, I think with this this episode, like I said before, is it's just Elliot and Margo trying to figure out what's kind of what's next. Like, yeah. They know, they know they don't want to give up the throne because somewhere deep inside they're like, we have to get this back somehow. You know, maybe they don't know exactly why yet, but they know that they belong there for some reason or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that kind of speaks a little bit to the optimism thing too of like, okay, I know this is what I need to do. And so I need to find a way to make this work. Yeah, and I think that's where optimism come into that lens is that they're like... I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to do it together. Yeah. Like, that. They, they've been to two wars. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. So let's go to the underworld. Uh, and I'm going to start with a, a, a summary that I always say. Poor Penny. <laughs> yeah, poor Penny. He's, he's definitely got the short end of the stick on this one. Oh my god, they're mistreating him. Um, <laughs> but um, I mean, like we we see for the first time the secret taken to the grave by appointment only, <laughs> which we know is gonna make a, a big um, a big uh, an important thing. What I didn't understood is that it was a partnership between the underworld and the library. Like I never in my my head i don't know like my head of course it's that's a branch of the library but no like that's a research center from the underworld that's kind of cool yeah i mean i i don't think i would have would have drawn that connection before this episode to be honest with you and to kind of see to kind of see the two that they they come together you're just like all right these two kind of shady questionable places of course they would be working together (laughs) yeah and it makes so much sense (laughs) Why did we and, not see this before? Exactly. <laughs> they talk about the metro that is uh, underneath, and they talk about a pig-type creature. Do you know any um, legends or myth or or like religion that talk about that? Um, I don't know any myths. I do know um, some of the things that talk about moving on from like that. You know the because uh, like a lot of myths and a lot of like religions or whatever, um, they talk about you know, this point of, like, after you die, it's not like you flip a coin and you're in one location or the other. 
Uh um, that they talk about when you die, there's this like point of judgment or like this secondary location before you completely move on. And almost every uh, mythology and religion has that like middle ground, you know, whether it be the place of judgment or um, like purgatory of some sort. Uh, there's always this like step before you move on. Uh-huh. I, I, I just said weird that it was this pig type creature. Like it looked so like they're good at, at getting a lot of like different myths and legends. Yeah. And I just Google and there's absolutely nothing about that. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if it was um, just them trying to, give a give a face and give a character to this unknown entity that takes you to the next place mm-hmm. um or if they at some point were using like you know this this pig creature as maybe a form of symbolism of some uh-huh. sort um you know pigs are very known to be what about me what about my life what can you know kind of self-centered creatures um you know they're Pigs are known for like gluttony and being filthy and being questionable. And so bringing that element into that's who takes you to the next world. And I mean, I think it's funny how they phrase it too, because they don't necessarily say, oh, well, this will take you to heaven or this will take you to hell. It's phrased as this will take you where you need to go. Yeah. It, I'm so curious about that. And the fact that like, even as of now, we still don't know. Yeah, I, like I like that there are unknown thing in this world, like because it's easy to explain everything with magic. Yeah, but the fact that there are still like I don't knows prove that this world is more complicated than we think it is. Exactly, and I mean I think that's another thing too that kind of makes you know this show, even though it is based in magic and fantasy and you know kind of out there, there are still some very real aspects. To, to hang on to with with all of it you know between what happens after you die kind of thing or you know what what happens tomorrow kind of thing that you know the characters are very real they're very they have their problems they have their past they have you know the situations that they get into and I think it just gives it more of a sense of like relating of you know there are things that we just don't know yeah but what's beautiful with all of this is that Penny is trying to find her way out. Like, he still have this optimism of, okay, I'm going to get out. Meanwhile, Sylvia's like, stop it, dude. Like, we're dead. Yeah. Like, seeing them one next to another. Because, like, in the in, when they were alive in the library, there was this, like, kind of optimism from both of them of getting out of there together. But yeah. now, like... Uh, Sylvia lost all her family her family died and moved on without her which like she deserved a better family uh, <laughs> and, and and like I think that like kind of drawn her spirit and she's like whatever mm-hmm. I'm just I just wonder like do you think she, like basically her giving them Penny removed a million year of a contract do you think it was a good move to do? Um, I mean, I think it depends on how you look at it. 
um, if you look at it from her point of view, you know, her family and all the people that she cared about had moved on without her. And she was just, you know, trying to find where she belonged again. Um, you know, and so she was like, okay, well, if I do this, then that's just less time that I'm without the people that I want to be with. Yeah. Um, you know, or, you know, you could look at it from the opposite end of the spectrum too, of she was just being greedy and saying, well, the sooner I get out of here, then I can do whatever I want. So yeah, sure. Take him. It's of no use to me. Mm -hmm. And I think she kind of regretted, but at the same time, she will do it again. I, I think she would do it again just because, um, much like many decisions made in this series, you know, there's the, the old meme, it sounded like a good idea at the time. Mm. Um, <laughs> and I think a lot of times it kind of comes down to that. Is It's what's the well, right decision at this point in time. But sometimes there's no right decision. Yeah. It's it's as simple as that. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I'm going to bring that to uh, Penny then lying to um, the guy that just came out of the secret from the grave to get his, his metro pass. Yes. I'm, I'm not sure if it was a good thing. That's the one thing I'm, I'm icky about. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think at that point in time, it was... He was definitely trying to do something to benefit himself. Um, yeah. And I mean... But... I... <laughs> I'd like to say, you know, I would make better choices, but the reality of the thing is, is I think if I was put in that same situation, you know, I might do the same thing. I don't know. Um, it's just that basically to get his way, he decided to make someone not move on. Yeah. So he removed this serenity to someone or this whatever it is to someone to get what he wants. And that's why a bit like Sylvia and giving Penny out, I'm having problems with the, I get why you did it. It was out of despair, mm -hmm. but I don't think I can say it was the right choice. Yeah. And I mean, I think when you're kind of stuck in the underworld for thousands of years, um, you know, I don't know how many right choices you can really make. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I gotta do, I gotta do something. And this is the only thing that I can do that I have tangible control over at this moment. So this is what I can do. So I'm going to go with it. And I just want to mention that, um, when he asked, uh, who was there, blah, 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 the guy said, oh, it was someone with a hooded figure and they had glowing red eye, which is totally what not what Quentin will not experience in uh, his secret taken from the grave. Yeah. So I really wonder what shifted there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. And I mean, I think too, because um, even even in season four, when, when Quentin interacts with that, I think it's, you know, it might be a manifestation of what you kind of want to see, mm -hmm. maybe. Oh, I love that! <laughs> like, uh, if you expect that it's gonna be hell, you're gonna see a hellish someone. If you know that your friend is, is stuck in the underworld, you hope to see him there. Yes. It's, it's, I think it's one of those things of, like, you kind of create that image for yourself. You know, this guy who came out of there had this vision of, of death 
of this figure, what what this grand death figure would be. Uh-huh. And, you know, you hear the legends of like the hooded figure with the glowing eyes and, you know, the staff with the the sickle thing. You know, you hear all that. So it's like, that's what you expect to see. So it's like, of course, you know, you get to the underworld and you're like, well, clearly I'm dead, which means that death must have brought me here. So you envision kind of that image for yourself. Yeah. Um, And I like that Penny denial dash optimism is so intense that it's going to bring 80s. Who was uh, at the time of uh, the... The, the show was uh, aired on, on TV. He was Hamilton in the Chicago production. Yes. So yes, he was. Let it be said here, 80s is Hamilton. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the idea that, like, 80s go to see Penny, and he's like, who the fuck are you? And Penny's like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and the but fact then, that- it would have been a perfect moment for him to just bust into Alexander Hamilton, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> probably didn't have the rights. Uh, yeah, that would be a little bit expensive. <laughs> what, is a, what is kind of beautiful is 80s can arrive and crush, like, crush Penny's dream, basically, saying, you're dead, the quest doesn't matter, magic will come back, we just do it, give that to humans so they are in check. But instead of... Just putting him down, then he give that he, he explain, but you could be so much better elsewhere. Like your your life, like your life, your your destiny is not up, upstairs; it's downstairs. So it gave him this optimism of your life can be something more, while saying, "Hey, you know the whole season that you just had, like season three. That's 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 crap for the the, the gods." <laughs> yeah yeah um i mean i think it's it's kind of a weird a weird twist how that worked out because it's like at the same time he's literally tearing all of the stuff that penny has been working for apart at the seams mm-hmm. but he's also you know slipping in like but even though this is complete crap you could do this i i like that we said like he planned something i think he planned the seed of penny being happy there he doesn't tell him stay, because he gives them the choice idea and he's giving back the, the 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 pass. And Penny choose to make something out of his death. Yeah. And I really really like that. Also, I want to know what happened to Penny and his mom in Savannah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few things that I would like to know in retrospect here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the like how I love how Hades like called him out to be the sacrificial lamb that he always like trying to prove himself while there's a place waiting for him saying like, we know you're good enough. Yeah. And I I think that's why he's giving, um, he's giving the, the, the card to Sylvia and just like the hug, like the bear hug that she give him and that he decide to accept at the end. Mm -hmm. It's just, that's Penny right there. That's the real Penny. Yeah, for sure. He's, uh, like, he definitely has that personality of, if you look at him, you just see this, like, rough guy that is will just chew you up and spit you out. 
-hmm. But, you know, in, in reality, he does have, you know, those people in his life that he does kind of take under his wing that he cares about. Yeah. And, you know, whether he'll admit it or not, he would do anything he could for that group of people. Yeah. Um... And that's why, like, him going to the book club, this is such, like, hey, I'm new, I'm new in town, so I'm going to go in every, like, club or, or stuff I can see on Facebook and, like, uh, meetups and stuff like that to make friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, like, he go there, even if he doesn't want to. Like, Penny's not a reader. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, okay, like, Hades told me to give it a chance, I will. Yeah, and I mean, I think, too, uh, he was probably more or less curious about uh, the things that Hades had said to him. You know, okay, you could be so much better somewhere else. Okay, well, where, what somewhere else? What something else should I be doing? Yeah. You know, and so I think part of it was, okay, yeah, I'll try because what else have I got to do? You know, and part of it was probably just sheer curiosity of, is this going to get me where I need to go? Yeah. Also, I like the, 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 the woman say, he sucked me. Because <laughs> that's that's what I would do too. But I, I find the, the last scene at the book club so symbolic because basically Penny is removed from the shackle, uh, which is kind of him being removed of this, like, I'm stuck in the library mentality. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to uh, eat cupcakes, which uh, in Greek mythology, Persephone is... Um, cannot go back to Earth at the beginning because she ate pomegranate. Yeah. In the underworld. And when you eat in the underworld, you're stuck there forever. Yeah. So there's this kind of symbolism of like, okay, he's, he's, like, he's, he's, he's like letting himself unshackled by, from the library, but he's going to stay there. Like he made his choice and it's final. Yeah. And like next episode, we meet 23. Yes. Yes. Um, and I mean, I think it's interesting, too, the, the dynamic between, you know, uh, Penny and the other people in that room. Because even, even though he probably went there detesting every second of it, um, uh-huh. in the end, you know, he kind of decided, you know, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe it's not so bad if I'm here. Maybe, maybe I could serve a purpose from where I'm at. Yeah, it's uh, about like Penny decided to be friends with Quentin, even if he didn't want to at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so lastly, let's uh, talk about the fairies. Poor fairies. <laughs> Poor fairies. Uh, so it starts with uh, Julia that is, is like, oh, I'm going to help them. And uh, like, I know I can and I have magic so I can help them. And, and Penny's like, shut the fuck up. Look, there's an emoji over there. Like, I don't want your optimism right now. I need to be sad. And that is something that, as much as I love that Finn tagged along, because that's what she needed to heal, Mm -hmm. Julia forcing her into it at the beginning, I was like, oh, my God, that's going to explode. And it does. Like, she she almost killed us. But uh, I feel like Julia being so optimistic about her being able to help kind of diminished like disregard fans fans pain for what she needed yeah and i mean i think i think in the beginning too you know it was more or less of uh julia kind of going okay i need to do this and i know that at some point i'm going to need you because you know like all the filling stuff Mm -hmm. um and so it was kind of like the 
her way of saying, hey, I need you to help me out here. But at the same point, it's like, Fen has her own things going on. <laughs> well, that's what I love. Like, she she give, she she say, okay, but she give expectation to Julia. She's like, okay, but I'm still going to hate fairies and don't want, I don't want to pretend that I like them. And Julia accepts that boundary and she won't force Fen to love the fairies at the end of the episode. Like, and Fen still hate the fairies. Yeah. She's, they're just more complicated now. Like she real, she had realized through the through her pain that the fairy queen is not all the fairy. Yeah. And Sky is kind of the perfect example there. But I I think that this idea of like okay I'm gonna help you but don't I cannot be like I cannot fake what I like usually she would because she she. She's able to smile. She's used to smile and nod in Fillory and just do whatever Elliot wanted her to do. Yeah. And I mean, and I think I there's there's this interesting dynamic with that too is because, you know, Fen is starting to realize that she kind of has her own personality beyond just the High King's wife. Yeah. You know, and she starts to build upon, okay, well, who am I really? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's slow going because she's still trying to figure it out. But, but that's it. That that little step that she took, I yeah. think that was. Um, yeah. And then they're going to Irene, and like they kind of had to play the like, oh, I hate fairies, but how do you like keep them those signs? Like having to talk like the other talk, even if it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Like ha- like, it's just like trade the fairy for a black person and we're talking about like what happened um in in america yeah you know and to to see how through the episode how the fairies are objects and not well they're not people uh, they're fairies but are um living creatures is awful um because after that we we um uh, we meet the uh, where do, 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 where do we meet him? We meet the uh, we we go, we're gonna go see Sky. I thought we would meet uh, Dust first, but no, we see Sky, and Sky is like, yo, it's not gonna work. Mm-hmm. No, no, we see Dust first, cause uh, we um we say, oh, I had Dust since uh I've had him since I was sixteen, like he's a car. Yeah. And I like they're so optimistic of like that of Julia and Fen being on their side that they're gonna show their the ugliest side and their like true side. Yeah. Without even thinking like, oh, this could be a ploy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think some of that too is just the very different approaches uh, that like Fen and Julia had when they were approaching the fairies and, you know, mm-hmm. they could tell that it wasn't like another Irene, you mm-hmm. know? And so I think it was more or less of maybe this time it could be different, you know? Um, although not really knowing for sure exactly what they were getting into. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, like, do you, do you think um, when, when, um, what's the name of the guy, the the one that cuts the head, whatever that dude. Yeah, that uh, 
yeah, he's the one that's saying he had dust for 16 years. Do you think he was like kind of showboating? Because finally he can like show off a bit of like my fairies to someone else. Because we can see the Met Callister are kind of proud and rich and love to show it. Mm-hmm. So do you think it was kind of their way to like see like, oh, you have a fairy problem? We have them for 400 years now. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's it's kind of funny that, you know, it, it's like they have a competition almost of who has the better fairies, who's had them longer, who's, you know instead of like walking around being like oh i have seven million oh well i have 12 million it's you know this this competition of well i did this with my fairies and now it's fine why don't you just do that with yours yeah like i'm gonna give you a color and it's gonna be fine yeah and it's like yuck (laughs) (laughs) but that i think and i think like yeah like you said even if sky was optimistic at first she got armed by uh her trying to uh think differently and believe in Fen and, and, and Julia in the last episode and that she almost died. And I think that's why she's defeatist because she's like, we tried and I almost died. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then she said like, oh, uh, the McAllister are, uh, the McAllister's fairy are here. Does that mean they're here? And I just, this is disgusting. <laughs> i mean that whole that whole thing was just something else honestly um i mean the whole showboating thing of you know look what i can do with my fairies is was a a lot (laughs) definitely to take in um yeah i I don't think i have understood as much like i knew it was like oh a symbolism of the slavery of the black people but having to like study it for the podcast made me realize they see they don't see them they see it mm-hmm. and it bothers me so much <laughs> yeah i mean i think that would bother um any kind of i want to say normal person um yeah but i mean you know when when you're raised in like that mentality you know you don't know any different you know, and there yeah. are there are those few people that, you know, might be raised in that mentality and choose not to go that direction. But even in choosing not to go that direction, they faced a lot of, of ridicule and a lot of hardships. Um, and sometimes death, that's almost happened to Sky. Yeah, and, and sometimes, yeah, death. Um, and I mean, it's it's a struggle going against the grain, like, regardless mm-hmm. of, of who you are or where you're at. Yeah, on that I don't, I don't blame the fairy to be brainwashed. Let let let's be like, I get why they're not doing anything. It's just sad to see as uh, someone that believes that people should be free. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then they're going to uh, seek the help of the fairy queen, and she doesn't. She doesn't believe of the hope of a tribe on earth. Like she's so settled of my because that's that's her whole goal. Like her. her that's why she's in Fillory, like her species is about to be extinct and she needs to survive. And then here comes like their her enemy that say, hey, by the way, there's a tribe on earth and we need your help. Like, I get why she's not, she's like, nope, goodbye. <laughs> yeah. But but then uh, 
Finn step up and I think that's one of the most important moments in Finn's life where she says, you're not listening, shut the fuck up and help us. And she's like, you have two sentences and one of the sentences is, I hate fairies. Yes, yeah. Like she had two sentences and one of it was to reiterate how much he hated her. And yet she managed to convince her Yeah. that like, hey, I'm not here for you. I'm here for them. It's not about you. Like I'm not here to give you hope. I'm here because something is unfair and I cannot bear seeing it happening. Yeah. And, and I mean, and, go ahead. Um, honestly, like with that, that whole scene, I think that was probably one of my favorite scenes from this whole episode Yeah, me is, too. is her, her standing up and defending like what, what's right and what she believes in. And I mean, her stepping forward and being like, look, I hate fairies, you know, and I have nothing to gain from any of this that I'm about to tell you. But you need to realize that these people need you more than you understand. More than my hate towards you. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Like uh, first, it's really funny because like uh, Julia looks at Finn and like she's totally turned on. Let's be real. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we were talking about. Uh, I just realized like um, earlier we were talking about how Finn say, "Look, I won't pretend." I'm going to help you, but I won't pretend that I love fairies. And she's still not pretending there. She yeah. still say, I fucking hate you. <laughs> and yet I'm helping. And even like when the, the fairy queen is not sure to help, she like fancy or don't help us. We're going to figure it out without you. Like, like in another way of like, I'm still going to help that tribe that you help us or not. It's not about you. And it's big for someone that is grieving. Oh yeah. It's huge. I mean, it's one of the one of the monumental moments for Fen, you know, as you know, finding her own personality and finding that leadership quality that she has, you know, mm-hmm. and stepping up and standing up for this great injustice that she sees happening before her, you know, and taking the opportunity to be like, look, even though I have nothing to gain from this and I don't care for you, this is still wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and for her to take that on. And, you know, take charge of that situation. It's it's monumental, really. Yeah. And then um, the fairy queen asked uh, as, as Julia, like, why do you do that? And Julia shows her magic. And she says, like, being God-touched is a mixed bag. And I choose to do something with that. And mm-hmm. I think that show, like, we were talking about Finn needing the fairies to heal. But also Julia like that the, the magic that she decided to use the magic she's granted not because it's Reynard but despite of it yeah and I think that was the moment where she decided like I have magic I can do something good with it like she's been all about that and then she kind of forgot it when it was about like oh my god this this magic is Reynard I don't, I don't want anything to do about it but then she got it back because she has no choice and she's like okay I'm gonna try it yeah like uh, uh, you were talking about resilience with Margot, I think that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I w- I would agree a hundred percent that it's definitely a resilience thing of you know Julia making the conscious choice of to be like, I'm stuck in this situation for whatever reason it is. I have this magic, even though it kind of came about in a sucky way. Um, I can still do something very positive and very good with it. Uh, also, I want to mention that te- uh, Finn just texts an emoji, and I love it. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. But then, but then she like Felix looking for a, a device that could cut the the the, the collar. And let's be let's be real. Nobody would expect the beheading to happen. Yeah, that was. That and, was a and I think that's the moment Fen was like, "Oh, okay, like this is like not that there was no hope, but if we're not doing anything, those fairy will totally die." Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Mary snap at um, at uh, at dust. Because he's going to the he's going to uh to the fairy and says he's gonna pinch a bit but you won't feel a thing. Yeah. And then he dies and I think like she's like fuck that guy. Yeah. Because because like how can you betray kind of like your own species? Yeah. And I think that's what makes her snap and um she go and like protect the other fairies. And at first uh Julia when she see uh Fen just like shoving dust with a knife. She's like, "Oh shit, what is she doing?" But then she understands. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that was that was definitely the moment that all of it became very real to Fen. Yeah, and like I think also Fen stopped being angry at dust, but got angry at the McAllister when dust explained that the collar were a fa the fairy deal. Yeah. And that he lost faith in the sacrifice he did. Yeah. Because I think Fen sacrificed a lot in season two. And it was for nothing. The the blade was for the blade she got married on was for nothing. Yeah. And the baby she had died. Yeah. So all the sacrifice she's done was for nothing. And I think at this moment she was like, Oh shit. I'm relating to a fairy, I don't like that. Yeah. And I mean, I think that was one of the things that was kind of hard for her, but also at the same time made it even more real is the fact that she had that, you know, not only that event happen in front of her on which she realized, okay, this is really not cool, but she also realized that, okay, they have things in common, you know, like questioning the sacrifices and stuff that they made, you know, and there is this whole other complicated element to all of it. And like while all of this happened, we see the McAllister having a dinner and they're talking about, it took me a moment to understand, but like re-listening to it, I got that they're talking about giving the fairy powder to the library mm -hmm. and like all their fairy powder and basically uh, Aaron said like, yeah, but we can make more, don't worry, we're powerful. Yeah. And that mixed with like, Dust losing fate, like how how many of his kind did this die? Yeah, and I mean that's the other thing too is like you don't know how many more there were, um, how many they sacrificed to make this fairy dust, how much of this fairy dust they've been using. Yeah. Um, because I mean that this fairy dust is the source of all their magic throughout the years. You know, it it takes a lot to get that much. Yeah, like 400 years. Yeah, so to have that much chaos in your life, like the entire time, basically, mm -hmm. that would just be devastating. And then, then we have the whole conundrum between the fairy and, and like their deals. And like the fairy queen saying, like, that's the only leverage we have. And 
I never noticed that until I watched the, this episode, but uh, again for the podcast, but basically uh, Fen and Julia are like, fuck no, you're not touching the fairy. And like, there's a, screen, uh, a reaction shot of the fairy queen kind of looking at them. And I think she understood at that moment that, okay, they really want to save the fairies. not about trying to break the deal that I have with them in, in Philori or anything. It's about the fairies. And sh that's when she breaks the, the thing, the, 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 uh, the deal, because she understands that there was truly no other, um, how do you call that? Like, other like I, I want they didn't want to do something in on the side uh -huh. it was truly to help them and i think they were like she's kind of like okay if i break that deal maybe there's a hope i still can save those fairy yeah yeah um realizing that they didn't have like a, a different motive for that you know when she a came, motive thank yeah. you <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i was trying to think of it too since you said it and then i was like <laughs> there it is um <laughs> But yeah, I think I think too when when the fairy queen realizes that statement and realizes that it's not just about you know what are you trying to get out of it, you know that it was just really trying to solve this injustice. I think that's when you know she realized okay if I if I step up and I step into action, you know there is something I can do about this. If I if I do it, then you know there's there's more to it than that. Yeah, like seeing the bigger picture once again. Exactly. <laughs> and and what I like is like the fairy become invisible to the McAllister, but for the first time, Julia can see them. Yes, yes. And uh, then, well, the red dinner happened and everyone dies except Irene. And then the fairy queen, then they're back at, at the cottage and she said, I choose to be grateful. Mm -hmm. And... It's one of the most powerful thing that I love about the show is how the action that they do, that any character do, their their choice have a meaning. Like um, Julia choosing to do something with her man magic, Penny to choosing to give the card to Sylvia, and now the fairy queen choosing to be grateful. It matters. It's not just oh, thank you. Yeah. And that will give them the 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 the, key, the final key that they have with the, where where is the key and this is the fairy world key. Mm -hmm. And but she's like, oh I wanna be grateful and I'm gonna give you hope, I'm gonna tell you where what the key is, but you can't have it. Okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of a catch twenty two right there of like um well, here's here's the final key that you need, but there's no way that you can have it. So it's again putting their their optimism and their belief in this whole quest uh, to a test. And and you know the fairy queen said to Julia, that's my last thing I had on my notes is like she said to Julia, oh, you're the first human who did something for us that was not because you needed something and i don't i think in the end julia profited like uh ended up gaining something from the fairies because that action of saving the fairies which will be the spark of her becoming a goddess yeah. become, like her magic will grow bigger because of that and she she, she told even then that the episode before like oh, i feel there's something 
in me when I go, do good that like my magic grow bigger. So like, I believe that she did it with the like, not the like motive of like having her magic grow bigger, but she did like gain something from it. Like she, it was not a like self-sacrifice kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean, I think even, you know, when she was doing, when she was doing that part of, of her little, her little quest or whatever with saving the fairies, you know, um, I think she realized too, that if she does it with the motive to get something out of it, it, it does not benefit her. Um, you know, it won't be seen in like that positive light, but doing it without, you know, any kind of expectation from it, you know, just doing it out of the pure, like, generosity or needing to do it or seeing something that needs to be done. I think that's what, you know, propels this this good magic that she gets is the fact of, you know, that is her benefit from it. You know, she didn't benefit in any other way, but it shows that that's what she's supposed to do. And uh, now let's go to a lighter mood. And do the Lecto Divina. Um, so the Lecto Divina is a religious practice where we read a text and we try to gain something out of it. There is four steps. The first is to read and see what is happening. The second is the allegory. The third is what it reminds us. And the fourth is what do we feel called for. And uh, today's first step is going to be a uh, read and what is literally happening. And the sentence is... Though we've been separated by time and great distance, we are the same. Though we've been separated by time and great distance, we are the same. Do you know what is literally happening? Oh, God, I can't remember. It's I, okay, nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do, I do remember hearing that line, though, but I can't remember uh, exactly what It's the what fairy happened. queen giving uh, her speech to the forgotten fairies, saying, like, your pain is my pain, basically. Yeah, okay. Uh, allegory, what does uh, this sentence reminds you, like a story it reminds you? I'm going to say it again. Though we've been separated by time and great distance, we are the same. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Let's, uh, that's, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to think to this one. <laughs> um, I mean, realistically, I mean, it could, it could remind you of, you know, a lot. Because, I mean, you always see in, like, fantasy episodes and stuff of, like, uh, people looking back at like their past selves or mm -hmm. um, coming to terms with like a different a different race or a different uh, kind of people and you know you always see those the whole great distance thing both like literally and figuratively um, yeah but yeah I mean I think it's just one of those things of like there's so much to relate to it just because you see it's kind of like seeing yourself in somebody else yeah um and i mean if you, if we're taking it kind of as a literal approach um i've had uh several online friends that i've had over the years um and just recently like as of last year been able to actually meet some of them in person mm -hmm. um which kind of takes that to like a whole nother level because i mean yeah it's not like you're going into it completely not knowing these people because you've been talking to them online for like years um but at the same point like meeting in person is something else entirely yeah but you know you realize that even though 
you know, this friend that you have or whatever is from like New York or Canada, um, you realize that even with like this great distance and this great separation and like could even literally be different countries, there's still so many elements that are that are the same that bring you together. Mm-hmm. Well, you did the second and the third step at the same time. I love that. <laughs> uh, for like for me, the, the second step, the allegory. I'm thinking of the moment in Harry Potter when um, they're mourning Cedric, and there is like the the school, uh, the Beaubaton and Dumbledore and Hogwarts, and uh, uh, Dumbledore say, "Though we speak different language." Or how or, or how hard beat as one, and like they're all from different country and yet mourn this person. So that's what it reminds me of. And I like what you you thought about um, for the third step of what it reminds you in your life. Uh, I met my husband online, and I there is this scary thing of like. Okay, there's this funny thing of people online know so much about me and yet so little. I had this moment with Jasper, like Jasper and I have been um, talking a lot about grief because of uh, their mom and now my mom is sick. And at one point before we met, um, I was talking and I said, well, yeah, my eyes are brown. And they were like, what your eyes are brown? Like we talked about grief and like what we believe in the universe is God real, but we didn't know what color of eyes we had. Yeah. And there is this idea of like online what you are, what you look like doesn't matter. Yeah. It's what you are inside. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's too, it's another one of those things of, it's a lot easier to connect with something like that because you know, you're not trying to just talk to the pretty person at the coffee shop, you know, or the person who, who catches your eye, you know, you're connecting with this person on like a mental and like a soul level, yeah. you know, and there's so much more to it. And it's so deeper and you get that connection, you know, and you have that like deep soul and mind connection before you ever have any kind of idea what they might look like physically. Yeah, but at the same time, I feel meeting the person changed things. Like for Seth and I, that's what happened. Um, mm-hmm. We were friends, and then we met each other, and we were like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, like, I've grown close to you, and I've grown cl- close to Jasper because we met in person. Yeah. So, yeah, there's this idea of, like, there's a connection online will give us that distance and time will... Like we literally are chatting right now from different country in <laughs> yes. a different time zone. Yeah. Meanwhile, I will never know the real Elliot without having met you. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's it's one of those things too of like you can get to know a person so so well, but there's definitely a different element to to meeting the person and you know realizing the things that they deal with, you know, physically and the things that they deal with when you're physically in front of them. Yeah. Well, fourth step, what do you feel called for? Oh um, for me, I feel called for to continue my internet presence to be kind. Um, there's something, I, I think I've told that before in the podcast, but I've been really loud on it on, on Twitter and Tumblr about... 
I decided to be kind and to choose kindness while the fandom was going through a hellstorm. Yeah. <laughs> and I stick to that. And I'm known now as someone that stick to that. And it's hard. Like there are moments I get hate or I get like people saying I'm fake and I just walk back because I cannot answer to them right now because I'm going to be really mean. <laughs> but knowing that people see me as, as this kind person made me want to be a better person in real life like i'm not playing kind online but it taught me how to be kind in life mm-hmm. of like stepping like yeah i receive eight and i can step back so when i receive eight in my face i can also like have a moment of like okay step back it's not about you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so yeah i want to continue to uh, spread kindness online um, I like you. yeah i mean i think i kind of agree with that um it's it I've been doing like the, the cosplay stuff for the show realistically probably since about season one. Um, and I mean, it's still, it's still kind of weird to me, you know, how people, there's people that say that they like look up to me or that I'm like, you know, well-known in the fandom and stuff. And to me, it's like, that's, I mean, it's cool, but it's like, that's not the reason that I do it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like my whole goal with this whole thing, um, you know, I've been dealing with like mental illness and, you know, anxiety and depression and things like that. Um, and like my whole thing is, you know, I constantly want to feel like I'm doing good, like I'm helping yeah. people in some way. Um, and so with that, it's like, you know, even with the quote itself saying, you know, we're separated, but there's so much that we have in common, you know, I want to keep spreading that message of you are not alone here mm-hmm. um and helping people realize that yes you know we might have mental illness we might have anxiety we might have depression or whatever but that doesn't have to be what controls our life you know yeah. and i i want to be able to continue talking openly about it um letting people know what's going on with me despite mm-hmm. you know the people that message and say you know, you're just attention seeking or, you know, you said the same thing last week. Well, I go through similar things. What can I tell you? Um, and also, why did you take the time to anonymously talk to me? Yeah. It say more about you than about me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I just want to continue being um, a positive force and, yeah. you know, kind of rolling off of what you said, just continuing being the, the good representation of what this fandom has always been of welcoming and accepting and just realizing we all have our issues and you don't have to go through it alone. much better than the sad talk we had before (laughs) and just before we finish it's time for also the vase and the flower Uh, it's an expression my grandma used to say which is don't give the vase and the flower at the same time don't give a back-ended compliment such as you do great cosplay for a guy (laughs) yeah you know, so um, <laughs> so let's do uh, let's give a, a, a rose or a flower to someone that deserves it, and a vase to someone that deserves a bit of a thinking of a thumbs down in the episode. Do you want to start, or do you want me to start? Um, I mean, I can start with this one. Go ahead. Um, I made you do the thirty second. Thing, so, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> um, honestly, I think 
you know, as much as I am very biased and I just want to give Elliot praise at all times, um, <laughs> I have a never ending love for Hale. Um, but I think, I think for this episode, I really want to give the rose to Fen um, for having that courage to stand, stand true to who she is while at the same time really getting shit done. Yeah, that's my girl. <laughs> I love that. You give your face. Oh, the face. Oh, gosh. <sighs> okay. I, I, I'm I, just... Well, I mean, the McAllisters, obviously, because they deserve never-ending yeah. bases. Um, yeah. But besides the obvious, um, <laughs> the secondary base, besides the McAllisters, um, I would probably say Alice. She was very... Um, she was just very hindering, I think, in this episode. Very mm-hmm. self, self-oriented self and not very, like, goal-oriented or even concerned about the group. So, it, it, yeah. to this day, it still makes me a little bitter. Yeah. No, I, I agree. <laughs> um, I'm going to give my... I wanted to give my flower to Fen, so I'm going to give it to someone else. And it's going to be Dust for keeping... A fairy promise for 400 years and suffering and having to see his fellow um, fairies die and yet not dying himself. Mm-hmm. Like it would have probably been easy for him to kill himself. Yeah. Like he knows fairy can do magic, he could have done magic anytime and die. Mm-hmm. And yet he decided, no, I, I must keep my, 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 my queen safe. And yeah, like go take a nap. You deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna give my vase. I'm gonna give a, a double vase one for the McAllister too. Uh, <laughs> but um, to the fairies' reaction of being free. Uh, okay. Yeah. I I get it. <laughs> Believe me. But also, it's just proof. It's like proving your barbarism to someone that doesn't believe that you're something. Mm-hmm. Um, like, nah. I, I, the more I think about it, the more they deserve it. So never mind. <laughs> I'm gonna give my. <laughs> I'm gonna give my vase to um. Who? To Quinton oh. for being mad at Josh that he said about Victoria. Okay. You grieve for a whole season about Alice can can just have like half an episode. Yeah, give give the guy five minutes and a cupcake and move on. Like Yeah, like he's like, well get over it. Like it's not but like he's acting all like mad that Josh is like going into his coping mechanism. Yeah. Meanwhile, You've been grieving for a girl more longer than you dated her. Yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so, yeah, Q, you deserve the base. I'm sorry. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, Elliot, for uh, being an amazing guest. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. It was fun. Uh, is there anything you want to plug? Um, people can find me. I'm on Twitter under uh, High King Elliot. I'm also on Instagram under High King Elliot. Um, I'm on AO3, same thing. Um, I don't do Tumblr much, very, very much these days, but if you 
you really want to find me there, it's Physical Kid Elliot. So there I am. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, <laughs> way to. Uh, and if you want to show your cosplay, we have cosplay question. Never hesitate to uh, hit hit him up. He has a lot of uh, good, uh, good and uh, um, a lot of people from the cast and the crew did like give you the thumbs up for your for your cosplay. So he's good. <laughs> oh, um, okay, so I'm blushing now. We're serious. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes, yes, feel free to ask any questions if you are curious about cosplay or whatever. Years of theater experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I will let you go. Thank you again. All right. Well, thank you again for having me. And um, I'm always here if you need anything. Of course. <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs> All right. You too. Bye. This has been Pilarians United. Once again, we want to thank Elliot to join us for this lovely discussion. We are now on Ko-fi. If you want to help us support the show, just go on ko-fi.com dash United. The link is in the show notes and uh, with only as little as $3, you can support us. And now for a secret of the show, did you know that we will now see Fen wear more pants into her Philorian's outfit after she goes back to Philori? It's because of her time on Earth like uh, today that uh, she discovered pants and now she's in love with them.